I appreciate that. I enjoyed that singing, didn't you? That's a blessing. Take your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 1, if you would. And I am delighted to be here. I don't know what I did in my previous life that gained me the favor that Brother Steins could be my friend, but I'm glad I did it. And uh, let's see. When were we here? June? Early June? Was it June? I don't even know. Uh, early summer, late spring. And we have, a lot has happened in my life since then. My, uh, we found out that our two oldest children are both girls. Of course, they're both married. And we found out that they are both expecting our first two grandchildren uh, within three weeks of each other. And so uh, Jessica lives there in Durham, and Carissa lives in Georgia, in Canton, Georgia, outside Atlanta. So we're excited about that. And then in um, the end of August, our oldest son got married. Uh, Josh got married, and he and Amy are there with us. It, uh, he's interning in our school. So our family's growing like crazy. And uh, I thought that you were supposed to, when they grew, like you quit having to pay for them. But I'm finding out that's not true. I just got my credit card bill today from the wedding. And, uh, and, and so I hope we get a good love offering this week. I mean, I, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'll, tell you, uh, I'll tell you a funny story. Um, I got sick. Matter of fact, Brother Steins came to see me. I was in the hospital back in January, and I had blood clots in my lungs. just hit me out of the blue, man. I, I, I didn't see it coming, and just all of a sudden, I was in a bad way. And... Uh, I found out that uh, one way they can tell is you, these, uh, I think they call them oximeters, and these little, they clip them on your finger, and it measures the oxygen level in your blood. Well, I, I have a bad time with, with fall allergies, and I haven't felt well for about a month, and so, and I kind of felt like maybe I, I wasn't breathing right, so I, I went to the store last week, and I was telling the guy, and of course, he's wanting to sell me everything in the store, right? And he's telling me about people who dropped dead. He said, you, you need, you, did your doctor talk to you about um, the socks, the whatever kind of socks they are, you know? And I said, no. Well, they should have. He said, they call them travel socks. And, and uh, he said, if, if you don't wear them on airplanes, he said, man, people drop dead in the terminals. I think he's exaggerating a little bit. But uh, he said, they, they call them travel socks. I said, well, show me a pair. And he took me over there and showed me a pair. The pair he showed me was $89. <laughs> I said, man, you ought to be able to travel a long way on those. <laughs> a long way. And uh, I said, you know what, let me pass on the socks, but I want to get that little meter. And so he showed me how to work it. And you slip your finger in there, you mash this button, and it'll, it'll, it'll uh, circulate a few times. And then it shows what your pulse rate is, and then it shows what your oxygen level is. He said, well, let me check yours. So I'm in the store there, and he checks it. And I think it was 97 and he said, now, it needs to be between 94 and 100. And he said, if it's below 94, it's low, and something's not right. He said, if it's below 84, it's dangerously low. And so he checked, and it was 97, and I was feeling pretty good, you know. It was last Wednesday. So uh, I went back to the office and did some work, and I was getting ready to go down for the service, and I said, you know, I think I'm going to check my oxygen just, just to check it. And I, I checked it. And it, it showed 86. And I said, well, that's probably a bad reading. Because <clears throat> I knew 84 is dangerous. And so, 
So I took it off, and I put it on again, and I mashed the button, and I waited for it. You know, it's beeping and beeping and 86. So I went to the Internet, and I started Googling, you know. And uh, it said, if it's 94 to 100, that's good. If it's below 94, it's low. If it's below 84, 84 and below is dangerous. Now, I already had blood clots one time, all right? And so I put it back on again, and I look at it, and uh, I'm waiting for it to come up, and it comes up, 86. Man, I'm breaking out in a cold sweat. And all of a sudden, I, I reached down and mashed the button and realized that I had the meter backwards. It was 98. <laughs> I ain't never been so thankful to be dumb in all my life. I felt real good. <clears throat> and uh, I checked it before I left today. It was 98, so it's, it's all good. It's actually the button, it's, you know, they, they make them, they clip on like this, and it reads that way so the nurse can read it, right? And then you can mash the button, and it switches it around so that you can read it. And I forgot to mash the button. So I mashed that little button, man, 98. I was good to go. So um, anyway, Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. I'm glad to be here. I want to be a blessing, and I want God to meet with us. I appreciate the music and the choir and the trio. That was tremendous. And uh, I'm just going to share my heart with you for these three nights that God has given us and try to encourage you and help you. I found this to be true. We get plenty of discouragement outside the walls of God's house. And uh, there's not a, lot of, not a lot of good news. But, uh, but thank God we have good news. God has given us good news. I want us to read, if we could, Mark chapter 1. And, uh, and in verse number 16, we're going to start reading there. Mark chapter 1 and verse number 16 the Bible said, Now as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little farther thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in the ship, mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. It had been a great day fishing, not so much for the fishermen, but for the Son of God. In verses 16 through 18, he called Peter and Andrew, and they became followers of Christ and did a right fair job at it throughout their ministry. In verses 19 and 20, he called James and John, and they too walked away from their old lives, and began a pursuit of this man named Jesus. But there's something that I want us to note from the passage this evening. There are two different sets of fishermen. There is Peter, there are Peter and Andrew. Look at verse 16 again. The Bible said, Now as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother. What's the next word there? Casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. Look at verse 19. And when he had gone a little farther thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the ship. And the Bible says they were doing what? Mending. So we have two sets of fishermen, and they are in two different stages of fishing. 
Peter and Andrew are casting their nets. James and John are mending their nets. I want to talk to you just a little bit tonight about this subject. It's mending time. It's mending time. Now let me just tell you how I roll, okay? I, I, I want to, I always want things to go good. Don't you? I, I don't like rainy days. If, if it were up to me, it would never rain. If it were up to me, the world would die. Because I don't like rainy days, man. I, I sat in the office this morning trying to get some work done. And man, we had thunderstorms and rain. It was torrential. And I thought, man, I, I hate having to get in the car, drive to, to, to Granite Falls in the rain. It wasn't long before we, I got on 40 and the weather broke and cleared up. But I don't like rainy days. I, 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 don't, like, I don't like low Sundays at church. Now, I, I don't like times in my marriage when, when things are not like they ought to be between my wife and I. I. I don't like it. My kids are grown now. My youngest is 20, almost 21. But I, I don't like it when my kids, I, we left church. My wife was somewhere. She was out of town. No, she was homesick. I don't know where she was. And uh, <laughs> there, was nobody, there was nobody there but Jake and myself. She was at homesick. And it was a Sunday night. And I said, Jake, I said, uh, Let's go get something to eat on the way home. Well, he's 20. He's never met a meal he didn't like. And uh, so I got in the car. I said, be careful. It's raining. And I said, there's not a lot of tread on those tires on the truck. Be careful. And so I got in the car and I left. I looked in my rear view mirror and he's right behind me. And I went down to the end of the road and stopped uh, stop, uh, stop light and took left and, and went through the next light. The next light and got on the highway. And by the time I got on the highway, he called me. He said, Daddy, I just had a wreck. He's right behind me. And I said, are you okay? He said, I don't know. I hit my head. I said, well, stay on the phone. And pretty soon he said, somebody, he said, Brother Ray's here. And I said, okay, I'm going to hang up. And I swung around, came back, and, and he, had, uh, he had run a red light and hit a girl. We were very, very blessed that he didn't kill the girl, and she actually wasn't seriously injured. He hit her just, just uh, right at the front tire. But, you know, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't enjoy that that night. I don't. I don't like it when things don't go well. I. I don't like it. Hey, I'd rather. I'd rather. I'd rather catch fish than mend nets any day of the week. But I want you to understand tonight that you can't always catch fish, and you're not always going to be casting. And sometimes you're going to have to mend. We first got married, and went on our honeymoon, and uh, we got back home and. Man, the audacity, the power company had sent me a bill while I was away on my honeymoon. I couldn't believe it. I was highly insulted. The lady that we, st- we had a little apartment on in her house, she came over and wanted to know where my rent money was. It's 150 bucks. That tells you how old I am. I was renting for 150 bucks. And uh, she wanted the rent money. And uh, we had a wreck. My wife and I had a wreck on our honeymoon. Totaled our car on our honeymoon. I've told you this before, I think. We, we totaled our car on our honeymoon. We've been married about six weeks. She, she lost the diamond out of her engagement ring six weeks in our marriage. And I wanted to get my hands on that guy who said two could live cheaper than one because he was a liar. <laughs> we got back from our honeymoon and life hit us right square in the face. And I went to work and she went to work and she was teaching school at the time in a Christian school there in town. 
I was working in the ministry there at the church, and, 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 and life's going on, and, and we all understand that. It's the, the nine-to-five grind, and you work to eat uh, so that you can work to eat so that you can work to eat, and that's, that's life, and that's what we do. And, and I remember we got away one weekend, and we went somewhere, and, and I, 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 she couldn't come, so I'll talk about her. Next time she'll come, bless God. But uh, she said, I, I don't understand. We were just brand new newlyweds. She said, I don't understand. She said, she said, we get away like this and everything's so romantic. And, and she said, in our honeymoon, she says, but in between, she said, it, it wasn't the same. And I said, let me preach you a sermon. Sometimes you got to mend. And this isn't a great sermon by any stretch of the imagination, but this is a truth that will help all of us tonight. But let, let's jump right into it. Number one, sometimes you're productive and sometimes you're not. Sometimes you're productive and sometimes you're not. Things will not always go, go well for you. You'll go through cycles and sometimes you're going to cast and sometimes you're going to mend. Sometimes things are going to go well and sometimes things are not going to go so well. No matter what area of life you look at, I don't care if it's your marriage, if it's your finances, if it's your job, if it's your Christian life, your spiritual walk, if it's your church, I'm telling you, life is what they call cyclic. And what that means is there's ups and downs. And there's sunny days and rainy days. And there's good times and bad times. And there are productive times, and then there are those times in all of our lives when we think nothing, we cannot do anything and do it well. I think about Jesus. He was in Nazareth, and he had been performing miracles. Everywhere he went, he performed miracles, and he changed lives. And he had just delivered the maniac of Gadara when he comes to Nazareth. And the Bible says in Mark chapter 6 and verse number 5, he could there do no mighty work. Now, we're talking about the Son of God, okay? I mean, miracle, raising the dead, healing the sick, delivering the maniac of Gadara. But in Mark chapter 6 and verse number 5, let me tell you what happened to Jesus. He hit the wall. And the Bible said there in Nazareth, he could do no mighty work. Don't mark me off as a heretic, but if Jesus had a bad day, you're going to have one every once in a while. Now we know this, we know the Bible goes on in that verse and says that he could do no mighty work save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. Hey, his bad day is better than most people's good day. But, but the problem was not him, the problem were the circumstances and the unbelief of the people there in Nazareth. But whatever the reason, there came a time when Jesus had to do some mending. And you're not always going to be productive. Not everybody you witness to is going to get saved. Preacher, no, but not everybody who gets saved is going to come to church. Not everyone who comes to church is going to come back again. Man, if we get a visitor, I'm excited. If a visitor comes back the second time, I speak in tongues. I mean, <laughs> it's like, are you serious? You came this morning and you're coming back again tonight? It's unbelievable. They're not all going to come. Not all those who come are going to stay. 
Not all those who stay are going to produce. Not all those who stay are going to help bear the financial load. Not all those who stay are going to get in the choir or teach a class or help on a bus route. It's just life. And you've got to come to grips with the fact that sometimes you're going to be highly productive and sometimes you're not going to be very productive. And that's just the way it is. Sometimes I read my Bible and it's like the book comes alive in my hand. And sometimes I read my Bible and I can't make sense of it. Is anybody listening to me? Is anybody, am I telling you the truth? Sometimes I, sometimes I come to church and I sense the Spirit of God and uh, sense Him working in my life. And I'm going to have to be honest. Sometimes I come to church and it feels like everything is cold and dread, de- dead and there's a, er, 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 I'm in a bubble and God's not speaking. And sometimes I listen to preaching and my heart burns. And sometimes I listen to preaching and, 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 and I, I don't seem to get anything out of it. It's called casting and mending. So we've got to understand, first of all, that sometimes we're productive and sometimes we're not. Number two, productive times will create non-productive times. Now think with me. I know it's hard on a Monday night and we're Baptists. And it's hard to think on Monday night when you're a Baptist, all right? But think with me, if you would. Productive times will create non-productive times. Look at verse 19 again. And it says here, who were also in the ship mending their nets. Can I ask you a question? Why do you need to mend something? Because it's broken? Or because it's torn? Well, let me ask you another question. Why is something torn? Can I tell you why? Because it's been used? You don't tear nets hanging them on the wall looking at them. You tear nets fishing. By the way, you don't, you don't tear nets fishing and not catching anything you remember when Jesus said to uh, Peter and, and his disciples he talked to them about they were out there fishing and he said uh, 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 launch out into the deep and uh, let down your nets and they let down a net right and the Bible said that the moment they let that net down man that thing filled with fish I can imagine the boat shook and rocked a little bit and uh, all of a sudden, and it said it, 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 it were so many fish in the net that the net did what? It broke. You know what I found in my life? I found in my life that when, when things are going really, really good, I might as well get ready for some mending. Because it's right around the corner. I was reading one day, and I was reading about something called shutdown maintenance. Shutdown maintenance is maintenance that can only be performed when the equipment, machine, or plant has been out of service. You know, sometimes in my life, spiritually, sometimes I feel like I'm in a maintenance shutdown. And and, and I, I don't have to look back. Hey, tonight, can I say this? If you're in a mending time, look at your nets and don't get discouraged because they're broken. Look back to the reason they broke. There was good days somewhere in the past. Somewhere in the past, something was going on. Somewhere in the past, there was a boat full of fish. Somewhere in the past, there was a harvest that couldn't even be pulled in. And now we got this problem. Why do we have a problem? We have a problem because, because man, God was doing something. I was, we're getting ready for our missions conference in November, first week of November. And 
Amen. The devil's already fighting that thing. He's already fighting. I was trying to send emails to our missionaries today, get some information. I couldn't even get the computer to work. Last week, and I want you to pray for him. Many of you remember Brother Eddie Goddard who was here with you for your missions conference, but he called me last week, and he's been coming to our church for, good night, 25 years, 30 years. And he said, Brother Rick, he said, I need you to pray for me. He said, I've got cancer. He was supposed to preach our mission conference in a month. And he said, I'm in a cancer clinic down in Florida. i got a skin cancer that's very rare. And I said, you're going to be okay? He said, they think so, but I've got to have surgery. I got to, he said, I'm going to be in this cancer clinic till the first of the year. Now, I, I'm going to tell you something. I can tell you, God is not happy. You, you know what? You, you, you kind of launched out not too long ago and got involved in missions, and many of you started giving to missions. Let me tell you what. The devil ain't happy about that. If you think you're going to give money to send the gospel around the world and the devil's just going to say, well, that's pretty good, y'all. You got another thought coming, man. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. Your nets are going to break. We can't always produce. Sometimes we're productive and sometimes we're not. In productive times, we'll create non-productive times. There are times in my life when I feel as if nothing goes right. I can't figure out how to make two plus two equal four. Everything I touch breaks. None of my ideas pan out. None of my goals are reached. But it might very well be that I'm going through a mending time rather than a casting time. You do that with your children. We raise five of them. I, I remember talking to a man, he's a preacher, and he had six boys, and all six of his boys ended up living for God. And I said, brother, you got to tell me what you did. He said, well, one thing you got to understand, preacher, he said, your boys are going to go through times when they're going to go through tough times. They're going to go through tough times. And he said, what I would do when one of my boys was going through a tough time, he said, I don't know if it was right or not, but he said, I almost neglected the other boys and I gave my undivided attention to this one boy to get him through the tough time in his life. You know what he was doing? He was mending. And I've seen that in our family. And I've seen times when I had to stop what I was doing and I had to push back and I had to put the thing in neutral and put the part break on and I had to spend some time with one of my kids because he was going through a very tough time. He's like, I remember the night my, my brother had a lawn care business and my boys were mowing for him and one of, one of the men in the church was helping him that day and the guy called me and he said, he's a preacher, he said, I need, you, need to talk to you. And he called my, one of my boys' names and he said, we were in a convenience store today and he stole some. He's probably about 13, 14 years old. I said, where are you at? And he told me where he was at. He said, we're just finishing up. It was a commercial place. And he said, we're getting ready to leave here and go to this other place. And I said, leave him there. It was, it was, about, it was about 8 o'clock at night. It was dark. And it was, a, it was an industrial area. I said, leave him on the street corner. You know what I had to do? I had to drop everything I was doing. You know why? Because it's mending time. And I had, to, I had to put everything else I was doing on hold. I had to get in my car. I had to drive across town. Went and found him sitting underneath the street light. He pulled, I pulled up. He got in the truck. And I didn't say a word to him. We drove. You know where? You, I know. But you probably know where we drove. We drove to the store. 
And I said, now you go in there and you tell, the, the man already knew he had stolen it. You go in there, you look that man in the eye and you tell him you stole that pack of gum. And you pay him. You know what else I had to do? We had a man in our church. He's in heaven now, Walter Cole. He was a former cocaine addict and God had saved him. An old black man came in through the rescue mission and God did something in his life. He ended up being the head of the men's division at the rescue mission he came to as a cocaine addict. And I called Walter Cole and I said, Brother Cole, I need you to talk to my boy. Walter Cole lived on the streets. He knew. And Walter Cole said, bring him to me. And I took him to him and he spent time with him. You know what I had to do? I had to, I had to put aside what I was doing at the office for a little bit. And I had, to, I had to put aside the phone calls. And I had to turn the computer off. And I, I had to put aside the visitation. And I had to go and I had to, do, I had to do some mending. Can I tell you this? Only to God be the glory. That boy tonight is in Bible college right now. But, but you got to understand tonight, it ain't always going to be catching fish. Sometimes we produce, sometimes we don't. Productive times lead to non-productive times. Number three, non-productive times prepare us for productive times. Don't, don't, it's a lot of words. Don't, don't miss the truth. Non-productive times prepare, prepare us for productive times. Look at verse 19. What, what are these guys doing, James and John? You know what they're doing? They're mending their nets. Hey, you know what I like about that? You know what that means? You know what that means? They're going to go fishing again. They're going fishing again. They're not sitting around crying because their net broke. They're going fishing again. They're not feeling sorry for themselves and sending out invitations to a pity party. They're going fishing again. They, they, they may seem like it's non-productive right now, but the very fact that they're mending tells me we're going to cast again. We're going to fish again. And tonight you may be sitting here and you may be stagnant in your Christian life, in your marriage, with your children, in your personal walk with God, in your church, you may feel like, you know what, we just can't seem to get things going. Hey, let me tell you, just keep mending, because let me tell you something, we're not done yet. You know the Bible, the Bible is such a wonderful book, and I don't make any pretense of being a scholar or a theologian or even understanding all of it. I, don't, I, I, I like what one guy said. It's not the part of the Bible that I don't understand that bothers me. It's the stuff I do understand that bothers me. But can I say this? It would help all of us as Baptists. Quit, quit looking for symbolism and typology and, and, and just use some logic and common sense. If they're mending their nets, they plan on using them again. That's hillbilly theology. If something breaks and I'm not going to use it again, I'm going to throw it away. I'm done with it. I'm not going to use it again. That truck my boy wrecked, today the salvage yard came. I got kind of sentimental. My brother said, Wagner's is here to get your truck. They gave me $1,000 for it. I had 290,000 miles on it. What all Jake did when he ran that red light was put it out of his misery. <laughs> Euthanasia. <laughs> I, the, the truck, it's, it's a 99 Chevy. It's got, it's got almost 300,000 miles on it. And 
and I got my money's worth out of it, and they said, well, we could get it, we could probably get it just running and operable for about $3,000. I said, man, it's not worth that. So I got on the phone and called and got the salvage yard. They said, we'll give you $1,000 for it. And you know what I did? I threw it away. You know why? Because I'm not going to use it again. But they didn't throw their nets away. Because they determined that while things were not going well and while they were down, that they were going to get ready because they planned on fishing again. And they didn't just plan on fishing again. They planned on catching fish again. Years ago, 1992, we've had, we've had two major, in my ministry, two major splits or reorganizations or whatever you want to call them. But uh, I, I, I started pastoring in 19, uh, 1988, and uh, in 1992, we had a split. At, before the split, we were averaging, on Sundays, Brother, Brother Steins, we would average about $7,500 a week. In, in our total income, we didn't have a faith promise program, didn't have a missions program, we didn't have a building program. It's just what came in in the budget in the offering plate was seventy five hundred dollars a week. And the week after the split, and our attendance dropped three hundred. Our offerings went from seventy five hundred dollars a week to fifty five hundred dollars a week. That's substantial. And so what did we do, man? We tightened our belts and we. We, my, my, our, our guys, we didn't have a big staff at the time, but our guys said, preacher, I'll go get a job if that's what I need to do. And we cut some things out and trimmed back, just like we've all been doing for the last four or five years and just adjusting and making things work. And I, was on my, I had a bus ride at the time, and I was on my bus. Jimmy King's my bus driver. He, he still drives today the bus that he got saved on 30-some years ago. And... Uh, and he was driving, and I was in the wheel well. I was the bus captain, and we were talking about the trouble and the split and all that. And I said, man, I don't know, Brother Jimmy. I said, I, I was, I was, uh, I was 30, 33. I said, I don't know, Brother Jimmy. I said, man, that, that hurts. We lost a lot of money. Brother, I don't know how we're going to make it. I don't know how we're going to pay the bills. I mean, you're talking, but we lost, we lost 33% of our income. And he's driving, big old, he's big old, big old heavy guy, and he's driving. He said, Bo. He called me Bo. I said, that's Pastor Bo. <laughs> he said, Bo. He said, uh, God, God's just getting you ready to handle the big money. I said, do what? He said, he said $5,500 a week ain't nothing. He said, God's just getting you ready. He just... God's just doing some things, and he's he just getting you to where you're ready to handle, to handle the big money. If everything goes well over the next three months, we'll take in probably a million dollars this year. We don't have very, our income per capita is not real good, but yesterday we had 16000 I think $16,500 came in our general and had about 3000 come in for missions and had about 800 come in for, uh, for uh, the, the debt retirement. And altogether, it was about $20,000. That's a long way from 5500 But I'm going to tell you this. I couldn't see it in the wheel well. All I could see in the wheel well was that we got a broken net. 
Tonight, I want to challenge you wherever you are. I want to challenge you that if things aren't going well tonight in your life as a child of God, as a, as a, as a married man or a married woman, as a, as a parent or a, a, as a teacher or whatever area of life it is, it ain't going so well at work. Let me tell you something. Go ahead and do the mending because one of these days we're going to catch fish again. And those downtimes just help us. They, they help us. We grow. Last year, year, 14 months ago, we, we had a big reorganization. And, and our attendance went from, third, from about 1,250 down to about 650. Our a whole seg, our Spanish work pulled out and became an independent church. They had 600 on their first Sunday. Those were all people that attended our church. Put money in our offering plate. We lost 27% of our income. I was looking at the records today, my, one of our associates and myself looking at the records today, and, and, and we're looking at it and trying to figure everything out. And, and, and right after they left, we had, uh, I think the first Sunday after they left, we had 550. Last, last Sunday, not yesterday, last Sunday, we had 860. But I'm going to tell you, it was rough for a while. And I was discouraged. But you know what I decided? I ain't going to die with a broken neck, bless God. I ain't going to sit here and, and, and feel sorry for myself because my net broke. Because the reason my net broke, hey, guess what? In order for 600 people to leave, 600 people had to come to begin with. So I could sit there and I could say, oh, it's terrible, it's awful, all these people left, how we're going to pay the bills and all this. But you know what I said? Glory to God, man. We just started a church and on our first Sunday we had 600. Let me give you one last point. Can you handle one point? Give you one last point. Whether you're casting or mending. Okay, whether you're casting or mending. And by the way, everybody here tonight falls into one of those two categories. Either things are going good for you right now, or things ain't going good for you. All right? And I won't ask you to raise your hand. But everybody already, in your mind, you say, I know which group I'm in. Okay, good. Can I tell you this? I don't care what group you're in. Jesus said, whether you're casting or mending, listen to me. Jesus said, I want you to make it your business to follow me. Look at what happened here in this verse. Peter and Andrew, they're casting a net. The Bible says in verse 16, Now as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me. If you skip down a couple of verses in verse 19, it said, And when he had gone a little farther thence, he saw Jesus, uh, uh, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the ship, mending their nets, and straightway he called them. You know what I get out of that? It didn't matter whether they were casting or whether they were mending. The commission was the same to both. Whatever you do, don't lose sight of me. Keep following me. So tonight, things are going well. Don't lose sight of Jesus. You know what I get out of this? You get whatever you want to out of it. But I want to tell you what I get out of this. You're not important to God tonight because of what you're doing. You're important to God tonight because of who you are.
God doesn't look at you and say, Oh, I'm so happy with you. You're casting. Oh, you're very valuable to me. Oh, I'm so proud of you. I'm so glad you're a part of my team. God doesn't do that. But I want to tell you something, and I'm an independent Baptist without apology, but I want to tell you something, Brother Steins. All of us, if we're not careful, fall into this mentality that production equals success, and it does not always equal success. And I, and I want to tell you what I did today before I left. I checked what we had yesterday, and I looked to see what we had last year on the same day, and I looked to see what we had next week, last year, next Sunday. And, and I'm all the time looking at that, and I'm checking, him. is the bus ministry up or down, and is the youth department up or down, and what about our adult classes? And we're looking, we look at all this stuff because that's what we do. But can I tell you this? Jesus didn't say, follow me to Peter because he was casting. He said, follow me to Peter because he wanted Peter, not because he wanted what Peter could do for him. Aren't you glad tonight that he gave the same call to the failure that he gave to the successor? You know what I like about God? He takes all kinds. He takes all kinds. By the way, if you're failing tonight, can I, can I just tell you you're in pretty good company? Let me tell you about a man. You've got to go way back in your memory, about 2,000 years. He spent 33 years working on a project. The first 12 years, he didn't accomplish much of anything. He was just a child. And then from the 12th year to the 30th year, we don't hear much at all about him. We don't know anything about him. But let me tell you something. In year number 30, business picked up, man. I mean, everything he touched turned to gold. I mean, he couldn't go to a funeral without breaking it up. Every time he went to a funeral, he raised the dead man. And people are following him like crazy. I mean, he would try to get away from it. You talk about success, brother. He was a success. I mean... The Bible said he just went about doing good. And he would find a deaf boy and give him his hearing back. And find a blind man and give him his eyesight back. He, he, he would find someone who was broken and he would restore them. He would find a cripple by a pool and he would heal him. And everywhere he went, everything went great. It was unbelievable. And multitudes of people showed up and they would come and they would say, Oh, we heard about all the miracles and we want to see a miracle. And we're so excited. We want to follow you. And then all of a sudden, one day the bottom fell out. You know what? He started giving them doctrine. And you know what they said? Ooh, that's hard. And it was inexplicable. But pastor, people started leaving. They started leaving. It, it came to the point where he only had 12. I'm talking about a 33-year project. He's only got 12 who are really following him. And one of them is a traitor. I mean, right up until the end, I mean, this project, the bottom has fallen out of this project. You understand that? And one of the 12, one of his 12 claims to fame. 
came into a garden one night and put a kiss on his cheek. And not long after that, they hung him on a cross and not even one of the 12 was there to stand for him. And pitifully, he gave up the ghost. He bowed his head. And to everyone looking in from the outside, we would say he failed. They took him off a cross and put him in a tomb. And for three days, it was mending time. But on that third morning, on that third morning, everything changed. And on that third morning, he started casting again. And you know what? You follow his story in that book, and that little handful of people that were left, you know what the Bible said? They turned the world upside down. But he had to go through a crucifixion to get there. I don't know where you're at tonight. Don't know where you're at in your marriage. Don't, don't know where you're at with your kids. Don't know where you're at with your ministry. You, you, you're trying to be a witness and nobody's getting saved. If somebody gets saved, you can't get them to church. If they come to church, they don't stay. And you go, look, let me just tell you, it's just a cycle that you've got to go through. But don't quit because your nets are torn. You take time and mend. You take time and get your nets, get things back together, and go fishing again. Father, I pray you'd help us tonight.